Merry Christmas, everyone. Thanks for joining us for the Shore Community Staff Christmas End of Year podcast. We just wanted to take some time out of our busy schedules to share our thoughts about Christmas. On our podcast today, we'll have uh, Michael Hansen, Ruben Munn, Jalise Devonshire, Tracy DeQuant, Peter uh, Macedo. Uh, what is it now? <laughs> <laughs> Peter Mercedes. Well, nice to meet you, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, myself, uh, Randall Brooks, or Randy, if you are comfortable with that. So let's start off with this one question and kind of see where it goes. Which part of the Christmas story stands out to you most and why? Anyone feel free to get started with that? Oh, I think that seeing as though you asked the question, I think you should go first. Ah, oh, you think I, think, I, I think the person who introduces yes. this whole fiasco should really go first and share your thoughts on which part of the Christmas story stands out to you. <laughs> um, all right, I'll, I'll start out with uh, sharing about my thoughts on the Christmas story and what stands out to me. There was one scripture that stood out to me this year as I read through the Advent uh, uh, calendar and the scriptures that were in this. It was Zechariah chapter 2, verse 4. He has several messianic prophecies within it, but in chapter 2, he was focusing in on Jerusalem. And just to give you a little context about Zechariah, he was uh, writing just after the release of the Israelites from the Babylonian captivity. The Persian Empire had come in to um, conquer Babylon, and then they were starting to open up the way for the Israelites to be able to move back to, to Judea and to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem obviously is the is the center point for the Israelite nation. And Zechariah was most interested in Jerusalem, but more than that, in the temple of God in Jerusalem. But in the beginning of chapter 2, it says this, Then I looked up, and there before me was a man with a measuring line in his hand, and I asked, Where are you going? And he answered me, To measure Jerusalem, to find out how wide and how long it is. While the angel who was speaking to me was leaving, another angel came to meet him and said to him, Run, tell that young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of people and animals in it. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. And I was fascinated by that scripture because when Jesus comes as a baby on Christmas morning, I'm not sure everyone was thinking about the full impact of what would happen with this baby Jesus. But ultimately, Jesus comes to expand the kingdom of God and to allow the Gentiles to come into the kingdom of God. And and this passage here is amazing to me because in Zechariah's time, it would have been kind of mind-blowing for them to think about a city without walls because everyone in a city uh, was protected with the walls of the city when the enemies arrived. But here... The prophecy is that Jerusalem will be a city without walls because the city will be so filled with people that you couldn't build a wall big enough to to hold all those people. And that's the great transition that's happening with the birth of Jesus is that uh, God's people will include Gentiles. And it becomes this, this massive story that God begins writing with the birth of Jesus. It's a great thought, eh? Yeah. It's, it's funny how you don't think of that passage as being connected to the Christmas story at all. Like I'd never thought of Zechariah as being part of the Christmas story. Yeah, definitely but, not, yeah. But there are some some of those Old Testament scriptures that just really connect into um, 
the birth of Christ and the life of Christ as well. And um, yeah, as we were talking about that in staff meeting, I love that uh, the second part of that verse that talks about God himself being a wall of fire around the city and that idea that we don't need these other protections. We don't need the, the, the protections that um, we may normally, you know, the world might tell us we need because we have the presence of the Lord around us as mm. a wall of fire guarding us, giving us security. So yeah, I just love that image. I thought it was great. Yeah. And I kind of fear that Christmas becomes this mundane thing that we do every year. We don't really think deeply about its meaning. Sometimes we get caught up with the busyness. Mm. But there's profound meaning, profound, real life-changing things that are happening with the birth of Christ. Mm. Yeah, so. absolutely. All right. That was a good start, man. That was pretty deep. Yeah. Very deep. Happened by accident, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Michael, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think for me, when I think about the Christmas story, I even head back further into the Old Testament than what you did. And I always get driven back to uh, to Genesis chapter 3, which might seem like an unusual place. But in Genesis chapter 3, we read about the, the fall of Adam and Eve, the fact that, uh, that Adam take the forbidden fruit, he ate it, and that sin entered into the human race at that particular time. And uh, that sin became prevalent in that in the human race from that point onwards. But in that story and in the interaction that takes place, that thread of hope is presented there as well. Mm. And if you look throughout the entire um, Old Testament, really culminating in the birth of Jesus Christ is, is that thread of hope that continues through. Mm. And to me, when I think about... Uh, the uh, coming of Jesus Christ. It's that visible hope that we now see in the Saviour coming to earth as a baby. And so at Christmas time, we get to see this tiny little baby, and it's that glimmer of hope, that thread of hope that has been throughout the last couple of thousand years of history is now seen in that baby. Mm. And so, yes, yeah, so for me, that's where I think back to when I think about what's important to me about the Christmas story. Mm. Yeah, very good. Peter, what about you? Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, I was going to come along today and say that um, nothing really stood out. <laughs> because, Same old I mean, story. Well, in, a, in a sense, because, I mean, it's all, uh, you know, the whole story is, is just amazing in terms of the, the whole nativity story. And it, But just this year, there was just nothing in particular that, um, you know, stood, you know, really stood out as being, you know, extra extra special so I was going to say that and then say but but that all changed last Sunday when Reuben talked about <laughs> talked about the the revelation the revelations 12 uh, and the depiction of just the whole cosmic mm. um, thing which was quite a revelation to me mm. I, I suppose I sort of sort of knew but not in, not in a kind mm. of not such concrete terms mm. or, I don't know just just yeah. and just the connection yeah. there and so that really that really struck me mm. um, but anyway, so that's what I was going to say. But but on the way in on the car in, in the car, <laughs> I, I did did have yeah just just a, a, a just a flash and it and it, it does hit me sometimes. It's just that the thought of you know this God creator of the co whole cosmos and you know I was looking at out of the semi clouded stars last night and 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 just the hugeness of our, of of the universe and just that astonishing power power and might of this of this god who mm. created all this and which we just can't obviously can't fathom 
but that um, he he came that he came he came and became vulnerable to us uh, to earth in the form of a you know in mm. the form of a baby and was just made himself totally totally vulnerable and and the other thing was that that I suppose I kind of tended to have the image that yeah okay but it's it's kind of a bit of God chipped off a bit of God chipped off mm. and sent to earth mm. in the form of Jesus but God. Most of God, <laughs> in a way, the Father and the Holy Spirit is still in heaven, mm. and and Jesus mm. is a, a chip off the block and and has, has come to be vulnerable. But but no, it was actually the it was the whole of God. Mm. Uh, you correct me when mm. I go theologically mm. awry, mm. Uh, but it was actually God. Uh, and and again, this is something we can't quite quite fathom. But it, but it was the whole of God. Um, Jesus is you can't be divisive mm. about God like that. And so the whole of this creator of this of the universe came and became one of us and became vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And and that was I suppose that was the, the bit of a little bit of a mind blow realization that I had of getting away with that that bit, bit, a bit of God came, you know? Yeah. Sort of in, in a sense whole, but but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, that's I, I agree, yeah. it's it's a it's a deep thought, hey, because you think of the way, like it was, it was the particular role of of the sun yeah, yeah. to come to Earth. Yeah, that was the that was the mission of the sun. Yes, but the sun doesn't do yes. anything without the Father. Yes, and it can't do yes. anything without it can't do anything without the Spirit. Yes, and so they're always completely intertwined. And certainly yeah, the, the Spirit, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Spirit shows yeah. up all the way through. Yes, Jesus' yes. ministry and life, you know, conceived yeah. of the Spirit. Yeah. yeah, and so the Holy Spirit is is there all the time. And then yeah. um, it, yeah. I was thinking as you were talking of that verse. Uh, where it talks of how God was in Christ mm. reconciling mm. the world to Himself, mm. is it Second Corinthians? And so that idea that God, even the Father, was also mm. present in mm. some sense in Christ. Yes. yes. Um, particularly the focus there, I think, is on the cross. Yes. On the cross, that God the Father was working in and through Christ mm. to bring that reconciliation. So, mm. yeah, there's always sort of that fine line to walk, isn't there, between affirming this was uniquely the role of the Son. Yes. This was Jesus yes. coming yes. to it. Yes. But that, as you say, you can't just carve off one piece of the Trinity over here and then yes. the other two bits are yes. over here. You yes. know, yes. they're indivisibly one. Yes. So, in yes. some sense, all yes. three persons were involved. Yeah. All the way through in the mm. line of Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Some rich Trinitarian theology there. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it's fascinating, Peter, that God kind of took you on this journey of thought this year through Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. And then all that in the car on the way here. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. It's amazing what a good drive. Can that's be. right. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Tracy or Delise, what do you think? Which one's going to start? I'll start. (laughs) Um, So when you said last week, you know, what was your favourite part of the Christmas story, um, I went back to very, I was, um, grew up in a very small town, went to a three-classroom school, and the very first song we learnt was Mary's Magnificent. Oh, wow, yes. Oh, my song. And I remember as I would have been, six or seven year old, maybe a little bit older because I was writing in a little 1B notebook, we had to write our hymns out. And it was that and um, how great they are, mm. the two that we learnt. And for years it was like, oh, stupid song, it's a hymn, running around. But as I've got older, mm. um, obviously um, yeah, more mature in my, my own faith, rather than a faith that was sort of you know, taught to me, um, it is just, yeah, it's just one of those ones that just takes me right back to what Christmas is, who God is, mm. 
what he promised us and everything in between. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just a really, it, it, if we sing it in church, it's like a direct connection for me, for my soul, mm -hmm. straight up. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so that was, that was what I thought of when you asked me Very cool. who was Christmas. Yeah. Did you have something you were going to read? Uh, no, I don't think I will now. She's covered it. No, no, so well. yeah, I think I've covered it. It was uh, so, from there. I read something through the week of someone who um, was talking about Mary and how <clears throat> she, whilst she was highly favoured, she also had hard times. You know, she yeah. had pregnancy that was in a time that was, you know, all, all those things, and she watched her son die, yeah. and and it was just talking about how um, if this has happened to someone who's highly favoured. Mm. We are to expect mm. some road bumps. Mm. We are to expect things on our way, mm. but God is always with us, yeah. and and He promises that. Yeah, mm. yeah, so, good point. Yeah, I think, yeah sorry. So you go. I was yeah. just going to say, I think uh, for Christmas, usually I I think a lot about Mary and what she's gone mm. through in terms of, of the birth, mm. and um, in fact, this year I was, I was listening to a radio station, and the radio hosts were laughing and. And they were asking each other what um, what was better at Christmas. Was it better to give or to receive? And one of the hosts laughingly said, "Oh, I love getting presents. It's better to it's better to receive." Um, and the other two hosts just laughed and said, "Oh, you know, it's actually it's actually better to give." And my um, my instinct was just to agree with them. It's it's better to give at Christmas because that's what we're asked to do. We're asked to give. But then the more I thought about it, the more I thought. Actually, Christmas is actually really about receiving, mm. and um, we can um, acknowledge the birth of Christ at Christmas time. But unless we open ourselves up to receive the mm. fact that it was a mm. gift from God, mm. then it really has no mm. more meaning than Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is something that I've sort of been thinking about this Christmas. That yeah, to, mm. to open myself mm. up more to mm. stop. And to actually accept the gift that God gave me and gave each one of us, and um, yeah, yeah. I'm so grateful for that. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Mm. And you sort of think like that—that that idea of receiving that gift—that should be the basis of us giving yeah. to yeah. others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it flows on yeah. from that. First, but we have to receive to be able yeah. to give. That's the yeah. first step, eh? Yeah. And then out of that, out of all that we've received, we sort of you know mm. we cultivate a spirit of generosity and love mm. towards other people. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. that's great. Well, there's a lot of deep thinking happening. <laughs> around Christmas this year. That's good. Very good. Thank you for that. Well, Reuben, you want to kind of wrap us up with your thoughts? Sure, yeah. For me, it was just uh, really the simplicity of one word, um, Emmanuel, uh, which has stood out for me. Obviously, a well-known word, and we, we think of that word around Christmas time. Um, thinking of the verse in Matthew, when the angel announces to Joseph and says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And just reflecting on the way in which we, 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 we think of Emmanuel as, as Jesus becoming human and becoming with us, one with us. But just been thinking about the way in which, in a sense, God's always been Emmanuel. You know, like it's not just something that he did at Christmas time, but his desire right from the very beginning has been to be with us, to be among us. Like even Adam and Eve in the garden, that's a demonstration of God. You know, he walked among them. He dwelt with them and he walked with them in the cool of the day. So that's Emmanuel right there back in the Garden of Eden. And you come through the Old Testament and you think of God coming down at Mount Sinai to be with the Israelites. And that's Emmanuel. There he is. He's, he's come to be among his people. And then he came and dwelt in the tabernacle and then the temple. And all of these were expressions of God's desire to be with his people. 
And so when you finally get to Jesus, it's sort of the climax of this great story where God's always wanted to be among his people and he's done it in various ways and it's kind of built and built and built, but now he's actually fully taken on our humanity. He's become one of us, not just one with us. So it just struck me that this is always, it's not just something that God did. It's its who he is, that he is Emmanuel, always. And, and even, you know, you, you carry the story on and one day God will return again, Jesus returns again, and he will again be Emmanuel. He'll be with us again, um, fully and completely. And he'll dwell with us, he'll be our God, we'll be his people. And so the story sort of finishes with the, the perfect picture of Emmanuel as well. So, yeah, I guess I'm just struck by that, that picture of God being with us, that his desire is so completely to be with his people, be among his people, and the way that he's done that in Christ. And I guess it's an encouragement to us that he continues to be with us now. But because he has been Emmanuel, he is still Emmanuel. He's with us in whatever we're going through, whatever circumstances, any situation of life, he continues to be right there with us and alongside us as our Emmanuel. So just getting the bigger perspective, I think, of what that word means and what it says to us right through the biblical story that's been significant for me mm. well, i like that yeah. yeah so i hope that this christmas we don't lose that that focus of the importance of why we celebrate mm. but just be reminded of the importance of what we're doing celebrating mm. the birth of jesus christ mm. so, thank you everyone for for this mm. and i hope everyone listening just has a, a blessed and very merry christmas and a happy new year mm. and we'll see you in 2020